0: for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey, guys. So my guest today is Kat Johnston. She spent over a decade between big law litigation in San Francisco and then going in-house at a Silicon Valley company. Um, and as you might imagine, it's <laughs> a fairly intense combination. Um, and she enjoyed it, but that intensity... Um, did really ultimately take its toll and Kat really sort of burned out and needed to prioritize taking better care of herself. And through doing that, her focus and her priorities shifted and Kat decided to leave um, her practice and she has taken the past two years off to travel and give herself time to reset and explore and find that next right step for her career journey. And I, I just think Kat's story is so cool and also just really shows you how possible a big leap is. You know, she, like, listen to how she describes herself. You know, she was fully engaged, type A, Silicon Valley lawyer, and now she's working on launching a nature and wellness retreat um, after two years of, of traveling. So it's really it's more than a job change. This is sort of a lifestyle overhaul. And not saying that that's the answer for everyone. But I think it really shows what it means to dream big and really let go of the stories that might be holding us back. You know, she talks about how she was battling the idea that, you know, she didn't want to be seen as a quitter and that her worth was tied up in her career success. Um, And so it's not she's not sort of just someone who's totally different than we are. It's just that she sort of went through those things and was able to work through it and come out on the other side and really make a huge, a huge shift that resonates with her. So I hope you enjoy her story as much as I did. Cat, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, me too. So I like to start with everyone at the same place. It's asking you, what took you to law school in the first place?
1: Sure. Um, You know, I don't have some like story of how law was my deepest calling from (laughs) childhood or anything like that. It was I had I was a sociology major in college. I had an interest in human behavior and understanding the way that humans relate to each other. Um but law kind of put that into a structure and it gave me a a path to follow that was very clearly defined in yeah. which human interaction and relation was relevant. Um and then I think the other piece of it is I just had a sense that I would be good at it, that I had the right kind of mental processes to to be effective in that way, and um, so I just kind of went with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that sounds very um, familiar to me. <laughs> um, so, what did you think of law school? Was it sort of what you thought it would be? Good, bad, I'm neutral. Good.
1: School experience. Yeah, Yeah, actually, um, I met a lot of people that, you know, it was wonderful to be in school with, you know, similarly minded people, people that thought in the same way. um, And to be able to have those kinds of conversations that you have when you're young, and you're learning about the world and figuring things out and um, expanding your kind of facilities. Um, Yeah, I've had a very positive law school experience, actually.
0: Yeah, you know, I talk to a lot of people. And I'd say, most people enjoyed law school that I talked to. It's what comes after law school that drives most (laughs) people (laughs) away. Yeah, and you really have, you really,
1: there's nothing really in law school that has much to do with the actual practice of law, right? You're learning how to think like a lawyer, you're you're learning about the law and all of these really interesting things, Um, but it doesn't really have that much to do with the actual practice of law.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So in law school, did it become clear? Did you have an idea of sort of what you wanted to practice when you came out? How did you decide sort of where you went post law school?
1: Sure. It evolved like most things. Um, I had various subject matters that I was interested in, um, but that Would when I thought about actually going forward with that in my life and in my career, it didn't appeal, and so I kind of defaulted. I defaulted to on campus interviews, I defaulted to Big Law, I got the job, and and then you know, I got the um, the summer internships, and the ball was rolling, you know, like the snowball is going down the hill at that point, and one thing follows the next, and which is. This really interesting thing, right? If everything's going well, everything takes on this momentum of its own and you don't really stop to think and you don't really have to it's not that you're not working hard, but you're not working hard to figure out what to do because right. it because it's laid out for you. Yeah. And there's there's something mentally very relaxing about that. Um And it's, I think, easy to just kind of go with the stream at that point.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you're, we're sort of victims of our own success in this, in this sense that, you know, it just does unfold for a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's hard, especially now, you know, it's not to say it's easy to get a big law job all the time. But when those things just kind of fall into order, and there's like a clear path, you aren't forced to ask yourself, is this the path I want, you're just like, seems like it's working. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, and it's weird to explain to people that haven't been through that um and to not sound so ridiculously privileged and ridiculously, you know, um lucky in life.
0: And yeah. it is,
1: right? In so many ways to yeah. to be able to step right into a very well-paying career is 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 huge, right, is is wonderfully privileged. But yeah,
0: you don't really stop and think necessarily once you're on that train. Right. And I think that's a skill that ends up being, you know, the people that listen to this podcast are obviously at the stage of thinking maybe this isn't for them. And, you know, we all have that experience of going, well, I never, I just never asked myself this question before, basically. So so what was your practice um, area after law school? Sure. So
1: I spent six years at um, at a big general practice firm in San Francisco. I um, started out in general litigation, so just doing general commercial litigation, all different kinds of commercial disputes between you know big and small companies, and then pretty quickly started specializing in um, trademark and copyright litigation, um, mostly because there was a partner in particular who I enjoyed working with and. A, Had a couple of cases with him that I found really fun and interesting. And, um, you know, we both liked working together, so we just worked more and more together. And so over the course of the six years I was at the firm, more and more specialized in trademark and copyright.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, that does happen. I feel like a lot of us fall into areas based on just someone that you work with versus like some grand plan of mm-hmm. <laughs> what you're going to do. Yeah, so I, did did take you- a, I did
1: not take a single IP class in law school. Like I had nothing to do with my law school education or plan. It all was just kind of as as things came, opportunities came up and um, I pursued the things that were interesting and the um, cases and the people that were interesting to work with.
0: Yeah. And so, what was your experience of sort of the big law litigation life? Um,
1: I would say it's a mixed bag for sure. Um, on the one hand, I was I was quite successful um, for a number of years. I felt you know I was well respected. I was rewarded for my work. Um, I did well in, in 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 progressing through being an associate um, developed relationships with clients, you know, did all the things that you're supposed to do and thrived at it. Um, but there were, Oh, and I will say, I know a lot of people who have just absolute horror stories from law firm experiences or working with partners that were just nightmares. And I don't have any of that. Right. So I don't have this like dramatic, like I was chased down the hallway in some situation, you know, nothing like that. Yeah. Um, But there were hiccups along the way where, you know, there was one year in particular where I worked on a case with a huge team. It was like my last non-trademark case, huge antitrust case, huge team of people. And it was extremely competitive and intense among the associates. So everybody's competing to be the first person to respond to the email thread, kind of 24 seven, everybody is just kind of like, it was just so much and for no good reason, right? Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's actually what no end? Good reason
0: to <laughs> do it that
1: way. Yeah. Um, but by the end of that case, I was just, oh, and like the, the moment of clarity was having a housewarming party where my boyfriend is out on the deck Entertaining all my friends, who he barely knows at this point, because new boyfriend, and I'm sitting on the floor on my bedroom on a conference call. You know, the latest Saturday afternoon emergency conference call on something that I really couldn't care less about. You know, <laughs> right. just like, this is starting to seem kind of silly.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why you, are we you, doing this? <laughs> Yeah, because it's sort of like you're so ingrained in this world where those things are important and every one of those calls is life and death that it takes a while to go, is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and nobody so, else will say it.
1: Nobody else will say it out loud.
0: Right, right. right. Because that's so, not the culture of, of where you are.
1: Yeah. So you're left alone with this question and with this thought and you think that you're the only one. The reality is you're not. There are other people thinking this but nobody's going to actually say it out loud.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you start sort of being like, huh, maybe this is not the place for me. Sort of how, what was your process about thinking about next steps? Yeah.
1: So a a series of interesting events. Um, I was thinking about every once in a while people would take a sabbatical from this firm and it was kind of hard to figure out how you made that happen, but <laughs> I'm starting to think about could this be a possibility for me just to get some space from it? Yeah. Um, and then there was an economic downturn and a whole bunch of people got laid off. Like, and I felt like that person in the thunderstorm where lightning is striking all around you. You know, my mentor got laid off, my mentee got laid off, everybody down the hallway yeah. from me got laid off, everybody in my starting yes, class I, got laid off.
0: I experienced that too. You'd just be like, Where's so oh, they, yeah. and so? Oh, they—they're
1: not. Yeah, and so it's so weird because I'm like I'm thinking about leaving, and yet for some reason I'm the only person they kept, and I don't know if I even want this anymore. But I feel like okay, now I have to just be grateful,
0: right, that I have right. this
1: job, right? So that you know, I stayed for another year, and in the course of that year, ended up finding an opportunity to go in house. So that was how I left the law firm was I went in-house to a client um, mm-hmm. and it happened via doing a secondment um, mm-hmm. with the client. And then um, and not really even wanting that, like in-house was not something I was actively pursuing or really thinking about. But when I did the secondment there, I, um, I was really reinvigorated by that. So it was a fresh, it was kind of a fresh new way to practice law with, again, being surrounded by really smart, passionate people who were excited about what they were doing. And I got to be a part of it. I got to help do what this company was trying to do. And I got to play this small part in making these things happen. Um, And so that kind of reinvigorated me for a while. And it also, there was this, when you go in-house, for me there was this clarity of mission um, yeah. because it went from being at the law firm where you have your client and you have your responsibility to your client, but you also have your responsibility to the firm and kind of the, you, know, you can't really just say what you think because yeah. you have to write the email in a way that like, you know, hedges everything. And, you know, there's all yeah. these, th- this is a very formalized way of interacting. Right. Yeah. And it, once I was in-house, A, it was a much more casual environment in Silicon Valley, right? So very casual.
0: (laughs) Very different.
1: Be a lot more of yourself. And my job, my sole job was to protect and to help these people do their job. Yeah. You know, obviously within the confines of ethics and the law, right? But like, right, right. It was the clarity of mission. And it, it really, it just kind of stripped away some of the stuff that was heavy about practicing law at a law firm.
0: Yeah. I think that's such an interesting point because I I think this is so true that like the formality and the kind of rules of engagement in particularly in big law is there really isn't a lot of space to be an actual individual person. And I think people don't realize how heavily that's weighing on them, that they're just not even able to be themselves, like aside from everything else that's stressful about it until you sort of get out of it and go, you know, like, I remember this one partner, this woman, I was wearing whatever. They were like kind of like uh pinstripe shorts, but they were like night. They're, they're sort of like Bermuda. It was definitely on the left side of what people would wear, but it was also like, it's like a skirt, but short, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And like, this woman was not having it. She was just like, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, it's not that big of a deal. But like, no, you can't, you can't vary at all from like the norm. And that's so exhausting. So I can imagine, particularly in sort of a Silicon Valley, you know, company setting, that the environment was very different. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and kind so, of a shock
1: to the system. Um, oh, but it yeah, yeah. Way, yeah. yeah. so how long were you there? I was there for eight years. Um, that's a, that's a long stretch. it It was a long stretch. and and I loved it for a long time. I really loved what I was doing, and it was certainly had its challenges and its stresses. But, um, I got to build a program. I got to basically build out the trademark program from, you know, From something, it wasn't necessarily small, but it was not processed to something that was like very large global program with a lot of process and a huge, an internal team and a massive external team. And it was just, I got to build it. I got to invent it. Yeah. Um, So it was an incredible opportunity. Um With lots of room to innovate, lots of room to make decisions and make things happen and get creative about it. Um, So I feel really, really lucky for for that because it was all the things that we were just saying that you can't do. You know, I was sending trademark opinion letters on this form that everybody at the firm had to use and it doesn't really allow you to say very much. Um, but that doesn't fly if I'm talking to the CEO of my company, right? I can't right. give him a form letter. So I, I have to come up with a way to be effective. Yeah. Um, and I re- so it, it was actually, it was great and exciting um, yeah. for a long time.
0: And it sounds like you you enjoyed sort of the doing of law to a certain extent. Like I just never liked doing law aside from like all of the environmental, but it seems like you, you, there were sort of really aspects of the actual getting your hands dirty and doing law that you enjoyed. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do think that's right. And, and also the, again, it's the being of service actually. It's the being of service part and in-house there is a much more direct sense of being of service. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Even though firms are obviously client service oriented, It's just, it's just different in-house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're not there anymore. So (laughs) what was the next evolution? Yeah. Um,
1: So as exciting as everything was, um, it also took its toll, right? Because you combine lawyers and Silicon Valley together and it's incredibly intense. And everything is an emergency all the time and everything is urgent. And when you have, um, you know, I have one client, but I also have 3,000 clients, all of which need the thing immediately and all of which have an emergency and um, it's just, it's a lot. So (laughs) um, I think the intensity did wear me down over time. Yeah. Um, and I ended up having some health issues. Um, and so I went through a year of just like dragging myself to work, doing the job, dragging myself home, and not having anything left in the tank for anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, my personal relationships all went to shit. My I wasn't Really exercising anymore, which had always been important to me. I'd always been an athlete, and now I was laying on the couch every weekend all day. Right. So it was like something's really wrong here. Like this is not. This is not right. This is not me. This is not the yeah. self identity that I've had for most of my life. Um, yeah. So finally, sought help for that, and you know, had a diagnosis. Went through a fairly lengthy process of trying to get my system back to a balanced point yeah. and really had to take self-care seriously um and not just in a lip service way like in a real boundary way like yeah. no I have to end my day I have to go home I have to give myself breaks I need sunshine I need to put my feet in the dirt I need to eat well not at my desk
0: yeah you know for yeah. years
1: I ate three meals a day at my at my desk and I thought nothing of it right and and I'm like, no, I cannot do that anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I spent a couple years staying in the job and trying to find a way to be healthy in the job.
0: Yeah. Um, and I actually I can imagine that's challenging. <laughs> it was
1: challenging. Um, but I do feel, you know, on the one hand, again, the intensity of Silicon Valley is always fighting against you on that. Yeah. And you're always having to very actively push back to hold boundary. Right. Um, at the same time, I had a lot of resources there. And I was established enough there that I had a strong reputation that I was able to put some boundaries in place. Um, yeah. And so I'm very grateful for that. But what happened is that the more time I spent on wellness – on like my own wellness the more i wanted of that yeah right like the more doors opened in that regard the more of it i wanted i was never really i never really could get enough of it yeah yeah <laughs> I, think I had such a deep deficit um that was going to take more than what I, what i was able to do to fill and to satisfy yeah. and it also just made me question like what we're all doing (laughs) with our lives and where our priorities are and what we think is important. And as I started to shift all of that, I felt more and more out of sync with everyone around me. Yeah. And the and I started really noticing the things that people would say that I was just like, that's a really unhealthy mindset. Like these things that we say without even thinking um, just like for example, always being busy the the the, the kind of um ritualization of busyness yep. as a badge of honor right the, and as as the thing from which we draw our sense of self identity and importance is how busy we are yeah and and I'm kind of like mm.
0: I don't I don't think this is good. That is that it? I don't think this is actually like that's the road to nirvana right there. Yeah, with the busy uh, but I <laughs> out
1: of my life, right? For me, right. out of my life. Um right. so I, I I made a rule. I was like, I will not ever say that I am busy in response to a question of how are you and how are things? I just won't yeah. say it. I refuse. Yeah. And you know what would happen? People would say it for me. Someone would say, how are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm good. I'm actually really good right now. I have this interesting thing going on. And they'd be like, oh. And I'd be like, you know what? We should grab a coffee. I'd really love to catch up with you. And mm-hmm. then they'd say, that would be great, but I'm sure you're really busy. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you're really busy. It'll be hard to get on your calendar. And I'm like, I didn't say that.
0: You're, you're, <laughs> you're Right, thin. right. It's just, yeah, the assumption.
1: Um. So that's a bit, you know, we're going down a rabbit hole a little bit on that. No, but no, but is. I
0: like, I think it's, listen, I'm like very into this stuff. And I think, I think at a core, you're just saying, I started asking myself what my own priorities were and they didn't align with the people I was surrounded with. Yes. Basically.
1: Yes. And um, what happens if you are trying to shift, like I'm trying to shift myself into health. Yeah. And by doing so, I'm now out of sync with the people around me. Which means there's always going to be a vacuum pulling me back the other way. Yeah. And it, which means I'm always going to be struggling, which can strengthen a muscle, right? You can use that to strengthen the muscle of your boundaries for some time. That can be a good thing. And at some point, I just was done doing that. I was done fighting that battle. I didn't feel yeah. like I needed to do it anymore. And I also found myself as I was filling up with this other these other ways of being and not identifying as much with my career. Yeah. I I wasn't bringing the same intensity to my work. Yeah um as i had been for so long and i cared so much for my team and i actually used i used what i was learning as an opportunity to be more caring and more and invest more in the building of my team and that became the source of fulfillment for a while yeah is having a healthy group of people working with me um but ultimately i just had this growing sense that there was there was a different life that wanted to be lived through me Yep. Um, And that I wasn't going to be able to figure it out from a self-help book or a how-to book or a list of pros and cons or a, you know, none of, it's not something to mentally figure out. Yes. It's actually something to surrender to.
0: I just so resonate with this. This is sort of like... What I talk about a lot is, you know, there are people who feel stuck for whatever reason in their jobs. It doesn't resonate. And then they're they're trying to figure it out all in their heads. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we've been trained to do. That's what we're good at. That's how we solved all the problems for ourselves in the past. And it has worked. But this is like a bigger, different kind of problem. Um, and it's not just about finding a job. You know, a lot of people sort of will come to me and be like, oh, I, I don't, I'm miserable in this job. I need a new job. And I'm like, I think it's bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. But what I love about your story is that you started living it while you were still in that in that job. Like you just started becoming the person that you felt like you wanted to be. And it t- that started pulling you down a path.
1: Yes, that's exactly right.
0: That's exactly
1: right. And I, I want to hook onto and weave into the thing that you said about using our minds to figure it out, because you're right, like, not only is it the thing that has carried us through most of our lives, it is also the thing that gets rewarded. Yeah. Yeah. So the more energy we feed into that, and the more that gets rewarded, the more we build that muscle at the expense of everything else and we forget that that there are other sources of wisdom.
0: Yep.
1: Um and not because using the mind is a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with using the mind to solve a problem. Yeah. It's just that there is other wisdom that also needs to come in and that and that we need to open to in order to be full and be whole, yeah. Um, and point the arrow in the right direction, right? Like we, we can do and do and do and do. We can point an arrow in any direction we choose and make something happen. Like once you're trained as a lawyer, you know you are very good at doing. You are very good at having it out, like pointing at an outcome and getting there. Yeah. Um. But maybe not so great at deciding which outcome to point at.
0: Exactly, where to point the
1: arrow. Because like we said, if you're in law school and you go through and kind of things happen, you don't necessarily think about it then. And once you're once you have clients, you know, you're you're filing your brief with the court, not making the arguments that are near and dear to your heart, right? Yeah. You're arguing for your your what your client, the outcome that your client wants. Yeah. Right. So, how much practice do you have listening for these uh, for for your own to get a little woo woo here, like your own sole purpose, right. like your own path, like yeah. what is it? And
0: we just don't do that. I know, and that's why people, so many people who are stuck in their law jobs. I've asked a lot of people this, and the number one answer of like why why don't you leave is I I don't even know where to start to try and think what it is that would make me happy, you know? And that is the sort of very deep end point of that, that, and it's hard because it's probably not just like going in house or just get, you know, being somewhere else. It's, it's a much broader journey, but if you sort of go deep and, and lean into some of these more intuitive sides of yourself and, you know, a little woo goes a long way, I think. Like just,
1: you know, that kind of little just, woo leads to more woo, and that's okay too. Yep, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely the road I'm on. <laughs> but well, you know, I, I want to say, I want to yeah. say on top of um, that, like not knowing, not leaving your job because you um, don't know where to go next. I want to pick up on that thread yeah, because that's yeah. a big part of my story too. If you don't mind me yes, please, that yes. way and sharing that, um, I think there's a little bit of a golden nugget in there that might be helpful for your listeners um, yeah, I is I knew I was going to leave. I had a big breakthrough at a workshop in Sedona almost two years before I actually left. And I, It was absolutely clear to me that there was another path for me that was not this um, and that I was going to leave this job. Um, And I gave myself a year to figure it out, to figure out, to stay in the job and figure out what was the next thing. And then a year went by like that. And I was busy trying to take care of myself and trying to be healthy and do all of that and then also try to get my work done and live a life. And I didn't, a year went by and I didn't know, still didn't know. Um, and ultimately I had to let go of the idea that I need to know what's next before I leave this career. And yeah. so that was the work of the next six months <laughs> um, yeah. in therapy, in meditation, in, you know, all the different kinds of work that we do for ourselves was... What does it mean to leave this career not knowing what I'm stepping into um, and peeling away the things that were holding me back from making that leap without knowing? Um, And there were things like, don't be a quitter, right? This idea that we're taught as children that being a quitter is bad. I've invested all of this money in my law education. I've put all of this work in. Don't be a quitter. That that means something bad about you. And I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. Yep. Complete <laughs> no, crap. What you did yesterday, like, you, today is today. You get to yeah. choose today to do something different. It yeah. doesn't matter that uh, what you've done yesterday.
0: And um, really, it's so much more challenging and brave to make that change than to just stick with something so that you're not a quitter, quote unquote. Yep.
1: Yep. And then, am I a cop-out? Am I a failure? Right? Mm-hmm. Could I... Maybe this means I couldn't cut it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that was all mixed up in the health issues and the kind of self-identity issues of competence, being my worthiness and all yeah. of that, unpacking all of that. That was very painful to work through. Um, and, you know, still, my, I am worthy because I am a living human being, not yeah. because I have a high-powered career. Right. Right? Like dis disentangling those things. Um and then and, and then also I think the third piece of it is, you know. It's one thing to have a passion that you're going to try to turn into a career, or already have been exposed to something that you're going to go to next. And I think it's wonderful when people find that, like
0: th- that. Great, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I was you. so jealous of those people. I was like, yeah, yeah you know what you want to do? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Go do it. Like to those yeah. people, like yeah. well, go
1: do it. Like, yeah, great. yeah. Um, if you don't, no, right? Like yeah. maybe the next thing for you is playing with being comfortable with not knowing, right? Because as, again, as lawyers, we always have a plan, right? We figure things out. Um, It's everything goes in logical order. Um, And I was a very organized planning kind of type A person. And so my challenge to myself for the first year that after I left the, the job, the law job was no plan. Let's see what it's like to live I can life. Hear, like
0: the listeners being like, Ooh. I know, right? Like, ah, oh my god,
1: what? yeah, live life with no plan. And guess what? There's actually a ton of people in this world that live that way. <laughs> I know. Like so tell,
0: tell us what are, what are what is, what does it look like for you to live with without a plan right now?
1: Yeah. So well, I'm back. I'm yeah. There's new things sure. happening now. Yeah. You know,
0: there's a couple chapters,
1: but yeah, the no plan chapter. And I even did this with like yeah. my financial advisor, right? So I was like, I need you to come up with the a, pl- a plan, a financial plan that allows me to have no plan. I think that's such an important
0: message that you can plan for the unknown to some extent, right? Because I think people will go, well, I can't do that. It it could be challenging. It might mean you have to adjust things in advance of taking that leap. But to just say it's impossible, close book, not thinking about it really keeps you trapped. So I think it's such an important message to go, you know, reach out, get help planning. But it... It's possible. It is. And so I sold my
1: home. I got rid of the lion's share of my belongings. I put a few things in storage and I took off with a backpack for a year. Wow. And I, you know, my I, I did fairly careful planning around the budget. Um, hmm. What does it cost to travel for a year? You know, and I had kind of a couple of extremes and a middle road, which was actually exactly where I ended up. I had like yeah. what if I try to live like I like a real backpacker, right? Like like a 20-year-old backpacker who has no money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I could try to do that. Here's the <laughs> yep. budget for that. Here's like a comfortable budget and then here is what's in the middle and I ended up right down the middle. I I I challenged my comfort a little bit to stay to do things more affordably, to do things more simply. It was slow travel. So yeah. it wasn't zipping off to you know destination after destination it was kind of slow living in different places and being very chill and not and just where'd you go
0: just, I'm you just curious I'm a total in. traveler I spent,
1: yeah I and this was of course when yeah. international travel was still possible this was all pre-pandemic um, I know right it's it's funny so to where think were about some now. of the places you you went I spent about Six months in Central America, starting in Mexico and then Costa Rica and Panama. Um, I I did some additional yoga teacher training. I had already done some in California, and I did some additional training. Um, And then my friend planned a wedding in England, so I decided to go to Europe for the fall and spent a couple months in Portugal, which was amazing. Love Portugal. Um, Yeah. Rented a van and lived in a van for a while. Um, and then came back and I spent some time in Jamaica in December. Um, and some of, while I was traveling, I was teaching yoga in different places. Um, so I just kind of went with like, where's the next thing that kind of comes on my radar. And were Um, you
0: able to successfully let go of the, I should be working on figuring it out during that year? Yeah.
1: And that, and I was very specific about that. I was like, I do not have to figure anything out this year this is not the year to figure it out. I'd had a friend who had given, who had taken a year off Mm -hmm. with the express goal of figuring out her life. Yeah. By the end of the year. And she had such a hard time because she got to the year and she still didn't know. And, and so I actually said, I'm not, this is not about figuring it out. This is just about a different way of being. Yeah. Yeah. This is about living in a different rhythm. And tapping into intuition, feeling into things, and flowing in a different way. And when I came home, you know, people didn't recognize me. You know, like, you are just, like, you, you have a completely different energy about you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I had, it's like, okay, what's the next chapter? Um, so I bought an Airstream trailer. <laughs> Cool. And I spent the last year traveling around the U.S. Um, in the Airstream. Um, and, and you know, now I am kind of thinking about where I want to settle down and what I want to do next. And I, I actually have some plans around that now.
0: Yeah. Can you tell um, us anything about that? Yeah, I would love to, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, so a seed
1: that was planted for me quite a long time ago now Um when I started taking myself on retreats for to recover from the intensity of, of the work Um, and I would come away from some of these retreats and I would just, I would really like myself a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And then I would like who I was and I would find myself drawing in, attracting people to me in a different way. Um, And Really shining out a light in a different way, um, and I was like more people like this is a this is a good thing for humanity, like having these types of experiences and tapping in um taking a break from the world, unplugging for a bit, and so I always had this dream of like, what if I could make my life more like this more of the time and help other people experience this, yeah. And so the idea of creating a wellness and nature retreat has been this kind of secret dream of mine for a very long time now. And I finally feel ready to start birthing that into the world. And I think that was the thing that I needed to go rest and heal, refill the well, Um. And let it all percolate. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it often needs to, right? Like, it just sometimes takes time and people don't like that answer, but it just does sometimes. (laughs) And it's a
1: gift. And I am so grateful to have had the financial, you know, security to be able to do that for a couple years. Yeah. And the reality is, I could have done it a lot cheaper than I did. So people ask me a lot about the money, like, how are you affording to travel full time? Yeah. And it's not my favorite subject to talk about. But the reality is, you can do it on a lot less than you think if you're willing to trade things. And so much of life is about what's actually like zeroing in on what's actually important to you and then going and then making choices consistent with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great. Um. So you say you don't want to continue working at the law firm, but you don't want to stop spending money that spending the money the the way that you can at, at the law firm, right? right? And so you feel stuck, right? You want to spend yep. more time with your family, but you feel this it, it this importance of providing for them in a very specific particular way, and so you feel stuck, yep. right? Because we see there's a path that is put in front of us very clearly and it's, it it may be a great path for you, but it may not. And it can be hard to see something outside of that. And so that's why I say like the more you can expose yourself, whether it's through travel or through reading people's stories or, you know, expose yourself to other ways of being. Yes. And start opening your mind to possibility And then other things will come through, like certain things will resonate and you will follow certain threads and, and then you get to make a choice. Yeah. And you get to make a choice about what life you, what you want in your life. Yeah. And you may have to strip a lot away first. Yeah. And that was what I did. I stripped away everything that made my life feel heavy and complicated and then I very slowly started to bring things back in.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, if someone were sort of at the beginning of this journey that we've just described as being a bit of a a, a a process, like what would be like a good first baby step that you would your your advice would be like? Just like I know you're just at the beginning, but like here's something you could do like in the short term.
1: Yeah. Um, I think there are so many people out there offering the secret to happiness, <laughs> right? Yeah, and or the secret to the path to enlightenment, um, and all of those things. And I think if there was any one right answer, there wouldn't be an entire section of the bookstore or right, the Amazon right. bookstore, <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. people that have never been in a real bookstore, <laughs> um, physical bookstore, yeah. they wouldn't all exist. So it's like, I can't say one thing, Yeah, but I think there are stages. So if you are looking for help, you know, start dabbling in different things, like try a meditation class, try a yoga class, try a um, a spiritual book that someone recommends, try, um, you know, just, again, exposing yourself to different ways of living, right? So one, yeah. and sometimes what you'll find is looking back, there are these seeds that have come, and you don't necessarily know the significance of them until much later. So for example, I read a book, I think it was 2009 I read this book um, called The New Good Life by John Robbins. And it's all about like this thing that we do where we trade all of our time for money and then we use all of our money for convenience. Yeah. That's a trap, right? So so he very intentionally and very in a very extreme way exited that system and lived a completely different life. And he wrote a book about it. And there's a mix of kind of his story and some practical advice in that book, but it did plant a seed for me of, um, maybe we're like, maybe things are not what they seem. Right. Right. Maybe these trade-offs are not the right trade-offs for me. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just, you just have to get curious. Yeah,
0: get yeah. curious.
1: Start like looking for the things that resonate, looking for the people whose stories have a glimmer for you. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to copy their path. Yeah. Right. But there may be pieces of inspiration along the way that will lead you somewhere in your own personal journey.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, Kat. So if someone wanted to find you, where, where, where are you? Yeah. Um, on the internet. On the and internet. It, like, because I think there's going to be a wellness retreat happening at some point soon too. So
1: <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm in about two weeks, I'm going to be starting my search for land in earnest. Um, nice. So that's happening. And I'm, I've been working on the business plan and all of that for a while, kind of in secret. Um yeah. And now the land search is starting because for me, it really all starts from a a place um, and then feeling into what that place wants to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So many people asked me when I started traveling if I would start a blog or a vlog and I never did, but I do post a lot on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram as wildcatwandering, cat with a K. Um, And I have a Facebook page, but the same name. So, and it mostly has the same stuff. Um, so Instagram and Facebook, wild cat wandering. Um, and I think that will probably either evolve into the retreat or there will at least be cross references as yeah, yeah. when that appears as its own thing and as an entity ready to be birthed into the world, um, for public consumption. Wow. Well, that's great. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for you. Kat. Thank you. I'm <laughs> very excited as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, there's an antsiness now because I know where I'm going next. And that may speak to people as well. It's like, once you have the idea, then you just like, you start feeling an energy that needs to move and move and move. And sometimes you have to bide your time a little bit, right? Until yeah, you can yeah. actually <laughs> move it, and that's what's happening for me right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Keys are great, but I gotta go because I got a thing to do. <laughs>
0: it's so exciting! <laughs> it's so exciting, and like really inspirational. So, thank, thank you, you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This was like a total pleasure. Oh, thank you
1: so much. I've loved. <laughs> I've loved our conversation. Yeah. I um. I. I really am passionate about this subject of like live the life that you want, not just the life that you thought you wanted at some point that like you can always every day take the opportunity to bring something new in and you can ask yourself that question every single day. Um, And there's so much more possible than you realize. So thank you for making this happen. Thank you for putting this out into the world and Mm -hmm. and the work that you do um, to help people make these transitions and these these journeys because um, you know what we want are people living more aligned with their purpose yeah, right absolutely. and in a way that feels true to them like the more of us are doing that the happier we're all going to be the kinder we're yes. all going to be to each other like the yes. better the world will be so
0: absolutely. thank you so much for what oh, you do thank you. Oh, I thank have you a girl. ton of respect <laughs>
1: for it and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you oh, thanks
0: Kat